0: Vince Lombardi, the coach of the Green Bay Packers in the 1960s, famously walked into training day in 1961, called the professional football players on the team together in a huddle, held up a football and said, gentlemen, this is a football. Now, you might wonder why in the world an NFL player would need someone to hold up a football and let them know what it was, right? It was their job to know what a football was. They had been around footballs for decades at this point, but what Lombardi was doing in that moment was getting these men back to the fundamentals of the game, starting with the very ball that they played with. From there, Lombardi worked tirelessly with the guys so they might get back to the fundamentals of the game so that they could go on and win championships. Because of this uh, Lombardi is one of the most famous coaches in NFL history and he did this because he knew that without these fundamentals it would be easy to lose sight of the core values of the team and what they were trying to accomplish as a team. But, but with these things fresh on their minds they would know who they were and what they were to be about as a team likewise many of us might have grown up attending churches maybe even going to bible colleges and might have never even stopped to examine the question what is a church and why is a church important and Do churches need to gather physically? And what is a church member? And what is the vision and mission that Jesus has for churches? And can churches be unhealthy? And can churches be healthy? And is it necessary for them to really physically gather? I don't know. What does the Bible command us to be as God's people anyway? And it'd be easy to overlook these crucial questions, believing that we know what a church is. And, And so I'm hoping that as Vince Lombardi held up that football in 1961, that this episode series would be a moment for us to pause and consider together some fundamentals of what a church is and what we ought to be about as a local church. So this Basecamp series is our attempt to get us thinking more biblically together, that we might know what a church is and why is it important to be a part of them. So with no further ado, let's dive into this week's topic. What is a church? So when we hear the word church and begin these conversations about what a church is, let's admit right out of the gate that we all approach this conversation with a basic set of intuitions and traditions and cultural backgrounds, right? We we might all have a gut sense about what we're talking about, an automatic reflex, a, a default that tells us what a church is, but we might have different definitions, right? For some of us, we might think of the church as a building, We might talk about our activities for the day, say that we're driving by the church or dropping something off at the church, or we might get frustrated that people are selling the church to a condo developer, right, which happened uh, in the village a few years ago. Others of us might think about a church like a performance. We we might talk about how we enjoyed church, or we might be frustrated with how long the sermon lasted at church church. we We might think about it kind of like a service provider, right? What the church provides for us. Kids ministry, youth ministry, music ministry, this kind of ministry, that ministry. We might be happy or discontent with the services, and maybe we would wonder if there are better services if we switched to Rogers or TELUS, for example. We might also think of church as a club that we're a part of. Right, we we pay our dues and we belong to the club like Costco, but without all the free samples that have recently come back. We might also view the church as its leaders. We might love the church's vision. By by that we mean what Matt Nino and I are are thinking or, or where we're headed as a ministry of trying to plant healthy churches that plant healthy churches or. Or we might think of the church as the board that that leads it, or we might be frustrated that the church has made a decision, and and in all these scenarios, there are certain defaults that 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 tell us that indicate what is a church and, and what it is not. And most of these assume that a church is something outside of us, right? Something something uh, to which. We, we don't belong to, we're not a part of, it's outside of us. Or, or maybe something that just provides services or goods that we enjoy or don't enjoy. But when we look at the Bible, is that what we see a church is? When, when the Bible talks about church, is, is that what it refers to? And here's where I'm gonna give a definition of church that I'll be working through for the remainder of this episode, or a big part of it, at least, anyway. And, and no, I, I didn't write it, but it is really helpful to understand, uh, helps understand what in the world we're talking about when we talk about a church. So, so let me give you the definition, and then we're gonna spend uh, so, some time unpacking it together. All right, so it goes like this. A church is a community of regenerated believers who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. In obedience to scripture, they organize under qualified leadership. They gather regularly for preaching and worship and observe the biblical sacraments of baptism and communion. They are unified by the spirit, discipled and disciplined for holiness and scattered to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission as missionaries to the world for God's glory and their joy. Now, I put that in the show notes. That way, if you're like, man, that was a lot. (laughs) So the first thing, first thing though, we're gonna gonna unpack it. The first thing that I want us to notice in the definition is that a church is a community of regenerated believers, meaning they are Christians, right? They are those who, as we learned in our last episode of systematic theology in understanding the work of God the Spirit, Christians are those who have been regenerated. They've been made alive, given minds to comprehend the gospel and new hearts, Christians are those who have been born again as John 3 explains they are those who have been convicted over sin uh, understand the holiness of God and the wrath of God reserved for them if they don't turn and repent from their sin and and yet they have turned to Jesus by faith believing he is the son of God God the son who put on flesh and bones tabernacling with us by stepping into time to reveal God the Father as he lived the life we ought to have lived right a, a life of spotless obedience to the laws of God and then He who knew no sin stood condemned in our place as our substitute facing the wrath of God that we deserve to pay. And he suffered and he died upon the cross and then three days later, he rose bodily from the dead that we might have forgiveness of sins if we would repent of our sins and trust upon Jesus. Thus, as a church, uh, a church is uh, first and foremost, those who are, regenerated believers. We've been made new. We confess Jesus as our Lord, God, and Savior. And then in obedience to scripture, they gather or organize under qualified leadership. Now, what does that mean? Well, as the book of Acts unfolds, what we see happen is that as the gospel goes out, right, either through persecution or missionary endeavors, Men and women hear the gospel as people share their lives in the gospel with them. And they become convicted by God the Spirit and convinced of the truthfulness of Jesus in the scriptures. And they repent and they believe upon Jesus. And then as they do, there are elders or pastors put into place to help shepherd, feed, guide, and lead these Christians. They are those who, following the command of Jesus, Baptize these new Christians and also teach them to obey all of the commands of Jesus, right? Matthew chapter 28. Thus, Jesus raises up these men to help shepherd and lead the church. They are sheep who help shepherd. They're under-shepherds who are sheep. They're part of the flock. They're sheep, they're sheep who help shepherd. Thus, everywhere that the gospel goes forth, God brings salvation and raises up local men as pastors to teach others. We see this happen, for example, in Acts chapter 14. We read, starting in verse 21, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. So preaching of the gospel to the city and had made many disciples. So according to Matthew 28, those probably were are baptized uh, and they're, they're teaching them. Uh, they, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying, that uh, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And, keeps going, when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. See, it it, it was there where we see that. They they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting. They had committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Qualified leadership is put into place over these churches, even from the very beginning. And and it was in Acts chapter 15 that we see the Jerusalem council, right? These elders all gathered together to help solve a a doctrinal dispute, right? Thus, Thus elders must be men who know how to test things according to the word of God we see in the book of Acts. And then speaking of qualified leadership, it's in places like First Timothy chapter three or first Peter chapter five or Titus chapter one where we see these qualifications laid out for the, the pastors, the elders of the church. It, we use that simultaneously because the words are used simultaneously, these pastored elders, these pastors of the church. They are to be men who are not recent converts. They they are men who can teach and preach the Bible, as well as they are to be a one-woman man, men who love their wives and provide for their own families. They're those who are to be thought well of by outsiders and, and various other character qualifications that we will uh, walk through uh, in, an, in a future episode. But in essence, they are to be men who preach the Bible faithfully and whose lives are exemplary ones, right? They're, they're the kind of, of, of men, the kind of brothers that that they have lives that you want to imitate and follow. So in, in accordance with the scriptures, they are qualified leaders overseeing these local churches, teaching and preaching in them. And churches also gather regularly for preaching and worship and to observe the biblical sacraments of baptism and communion. And this is intrinsic actually in the word church. The word church means the assembly or, or, the, or the gathering. So, so simply by its name, a church must be an assembly that assembles. <laughs> right, an assembly that doesn't assemble is not an assembly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so it's a, it's an assemble. It is it assembles. They gather together, and when the church does this, what are they to do? Well, there is to be preaching. Uh, we see in Acts chapter two forty two that that when the early church gathered, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, which was grounded on the Old Testament scriptures and and their fulfillment found in Jesus. Right, as we saw in Luke twenty four, that Jesus taught them that all the Old Testament pointed to Him in its fulfillment not only the Old Testament, but they would also have taught things about the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how we ought to live as Christians, right? We see that outlined in the epistles, the letters of the New Testament to churches like uh, the Philippians and Colossians, Ephesians. We see how Christians ought to live in light of being Christians, put off this, put on this, quit doing that, do this, right? Those kind of things. And, and the preaching was to be central to forming their new identity. As the church heard the word of God preached and then applied it into their lives with their pastor's help. And and they did this not because they had to, but because they wanted to. These regenerated Christians love the pure milk of the word of God. They loved hearing it. Whereas once they did not love God's word, now their hearts just long for it more and more as a result of their regeneration. And as disciples, as learners who followed Jesus, these early Christians knew that they needed to learn and they wanted transformation in all of their lives. They, they wanted to know how they ought to live now. If They had they'd never seen a, a Christian marriage. They don't know how to be Christian marriages. They, they don't know how to raise kids as a Christian. They, they needed to know how their faith ought to impact their lives and they needed help along the journey. So they submitted themselves to the Bible and to one another. And they also wanted to get together to praise God for saving them. Thus, they rejoiced in their salvation. They wanted to sing together, to worship together as God's people. And worship is that response that we have to the revelation of God's word that demonstrates itself in adoration and proclamation of the greatness of God and his mighty works, as as one pastor explains. It, it's this falling down at Jesus' feet in allegiance and adoration and, and and doing work and serving the world all in the name of Jesus. And they demonstrated their faith by the sacraments, right? Baptism demonstrated their identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then communion, both of those, by the way, commanded by Jesus. Communion then demonstrates their dependence upon the broken body and the poured out blood of Jesus that had ransomed them. Thus, these two sacraments given by Jesus helped helped them become who they were as God's redeemed people. And it, it, it visibly demonstrated their faith in public ways together as a congregation as they gathered for preaching and worship. Not only that, but they were unified by the Spirit. I would talk about that a little bit more, but I talked in the last episode uh, of, uh, of Base Camp on, uh, on the, the work of the Spirit and talked a lot about the unity uh, of how, how the Spirit unifies us uh, to Christ. Uh, so you can listen to that, but but it also unified them together as people. But they've all walked through the same experience. They all once were those who had uh, had been at war with God, at, at at enmity with God, and yet now by grace and through faith they were brought into, birth into a family. So there's this this unity that they had. I remember even when we were walking through First Peter back in our forest season uh, about a year ago. You know, when when uh, when you turn your back on who you used to be as a person, the sins of your past, and people around you no longer understand you. They hate you because you're not participating in sins that you once did, and they malign you. All you have is one another, and so there's this there's this unity of of, of those who. Who gather? There's this unity of those who are committed to one another. There's this. There's this unity that binds you together. It's it's the gospel. It's your your shared suffering. It's it's these things that that unify you in the gospel as God's people, and it's a beautiful thing. But we also see that the church ought to be a holy people. What we've seen in the last few weeks in our Exodus series. Right? as as we are priests of God and as we grow by the Spirit's work of sanctification. Thus, we are to be a holy people. And when we sin, we repent of it. And, and when others have sinned against us, we, we let their sin be known so that they might repent of it to us. They, they might know not know they've sinned against us. We It's our job if they've sinned against us and they might not know if it's, it's our job to go to them, to say, hey, you, you've sinned against me so that there might be unity, restoration, holiness. Thus, God has given us one to another to help one another in this process, right? And if we have sin in our own life that we are unrepentant of, then, then our, our local church has the job of bringing us under church discipline that we might see the seriousness of our sin against God and against others, which we talked about in uh, our, our sermon a couple of weeks ago in the book of, of Exodus, that when you're unclean, you had to go out into the outer darkness because of transgression and there's a way to come back in by repentance, Oh, we're going to devote an entire episode in this series to things like church discipline to help explain it a little bit more and know even what that is. It kind of sounds like a scary thing, uh, but most of the time it's not. Ninety nine percent of the time it's not. But we just want to. We'll have an entire episode about that. But suffice it to say, in this definition, we are God's great gift to one another. We're God's gift to one another, because in relationships with one another, the the aim of of us being together as a local church is that we might see our sin is against God and one another as his people. So we're gifts to one another to help one another continue to grow as God's people, that we may grow in holiness as God's people, presenting true pictures of the gospel to the world around us and not forgeries. So we ought to be holy. And then, and then we see that the church is an evangelistic community, where, as one pastor explains, the gospel of Jesus is constantly made visible by its preaching, its witness of the members and its spirit-empowered life of love, right? As we read in the book of Acts from the first day, uh, the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved because they took the command seriously that they would receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon them and they would be Jesus's witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Thus, as Christians, we're not to spend all of our time holed up with one another in monasteries. Rather, we are to to devote our lives to sharing them with those who are far from Jesus that they might see our lives as we share our lives in the gospel with them, that they might see the picture of the gospel clearly and from our own lips might hear of the salvation made possible by Jesus. And the beauty of men and women in a local church with us is that we have men and women that are on mission with us. Though we don't have to just do this by ourselves, rather we have other brothers and sisters we can link arms with to share our lives in the gospel with those that we know that are far from Jesus, that they might come to know, trust, and believe the gospel as they see our shared lives together. And as we go out into the world throughout the week as missionaries, right, here in Winnipeg in our daily lives, and and then some sent out into the nations that the nations might be glad as we plant the worship of God in in their midst and share our lives in the gospel with them and help plant healthy churches that that plant healthy churches, we see that all this is for God's glory and the joy of those whom we share, right? Not to mention our own joys. We participate in the mission of God in the world, doing what he's equipped and called us to do as a people. So a church is a community of regenerated believers, people that love Jesus, who confess Jesus Christ as Lord. We've repented of sin, we've trusted and believed upon Jesus. In obedience to scripture, we organize under qualified leadership. We gather regularly for preaching and worship and observing the biblical sacraments of baptism and communion. And we're unified by the spirit. We are disciplined for holiness. And then we scatter to fulfill the great commandment and the Great Commission as missionaries to the world for God's glory and their joy. So fundamentally, as one pastor explains, God intends the local church to be a corporate display of his glory and wisdom, both to unbelievers and to the unseen spiritual powers. John 13, 34 to 35, and Ephesians 3, 10 to 11. More specifically, we are a corporate dwelling place for God's spirit. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17. We're the organic body of Christ in which he magnifies his glory. Acts 9, 4 and 1 Corinthians 12. And the uniqueness at the core identity of who a local church is, is found in their message. The gospel. As you look at a local church, you'll see people that you're like, man, how in the world are you guys together on anything? You are from different everything How in the world are you together? And the essence of that is our message, the gospel. By the gospel, the dividing walls of hostility are just leveled. They're just leveled. And the good news of Jesus, which binds us together into this new family of missionary servants, is the word of God. And it's God's word that we labor to give to the world. We don't give innovative sermons. We don't give TED Talks. We don't give motivational speeches rather every true church is grounded upon the word of god it is our food our nourishment for the journey ahead and it sustains us and builds us up as the people of god this is why paul instructed timothy to devote himself to the preaching of the word second timothy 4 2 precisely as mark dever explains because that word makes the man of god and the church of god adequate and equipped for every good work see that in 2 Timothy 3.17. Thus, to be the church, we simply need to be guided, governed, and geared by the word of God. And we need to build our church according to the pattern that God has given us in scripture. So we need to trust the word of God wielded by Jesus to the work of building his church. So the Bible, therefore, helps build the church, which is why as a ministry, we strive to let everything that we do be guided by God's word as best as we can. And we hold tradition lightly, but God's word firmly. And we trust that Jesus will build his church by the agency of his spirit and by the power of his gospel. Thus, the scriptures are where we learn about the gospel and all true churches are built there in and around the gospel is our foundation. See, as a church, we are not built upon small groups or a great youth ministry or great kids programming. Rather, we are built upon the gospel. This is why every sermon is about the gospel. Every small group is about the gospel. Every worship and prayer night is about the gospel. Every prayer is about the gospel. Because the gospel is what makes us who we are as a people. And the gospel is, of course, as one uh, theologian so eloquently put it, the gospel is that God is our holy creator and righteous judge. He created us to glorify him and enjoy him forever. But we've all sinned both in Adam as our representative head and our own individual actions. We therefore deserve death, spiritual separation from the beneficent presence of God and are in fact already spiritually stillborn, helpless in our sins and in need of God to impart spiritual life to us. But God sent his son, Jesus, fully God, fully man, to die the death we deserve and he raised him up for our justification, proving he was God's son. If we would have Christ's perfect righteousness credited to us and the penalty of our sins accounted to him, we must repent of our sins and believe upon Jesus alone for salvation. This gospel alone is the one we are commanded to preach. And this gospel alone is the one that God uses to create a people for himself. This gospel alone both enables and informs our participation in God's redemptive purposes. And this gospel alone is what is at the heartbeat of the church. So as we are beginning to study, what is a church? Let us come back often to the fundamentals and answer the question, what is a church? (laughs) Before we start thinking about how to be a church and what does it mean to even join a church as a member, we ought to know fundamentally what we're talking about. What is a church? If we don't understand what a church is, then why would we ever want to submit to one? Why would we ever want to join along with one? I mean is the point to simply join a country club is the point of church membership to have voting rights or so the church can just boast about how many members it has or is there something more to church is there something more to being a part of the church the bride of Christ the body of Christ is the church meant to be an embassy an outpost of the kingdom of Jesus built upon the word of God that shows the world by our shared lives and profession of faith that there is a God who has made himself known in and through the person of Jesus? Could it just be that we have come to value local churches too lightly when God intends for them to be esteemed greatly as light posts of his kingdom so that the world might see the light of the glory of Christ as we partner together to make him known and stand upon his word. Thanks for tuning into this new episode series of Basecamp as we're talking about how the church is essential in the plans and purposes of God and how we, now that we are in Christ, have a wonderful responsibility to the Christians around us to share our lives with them and commit to them in order to grow in our mutual discipleship so that the world might have a glimpse of Jesus' kingdom through our shared lives. In the weeks ahead, we're going to be talking about a couple of different topics. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about biblical metaphors for the church, how the whole Bible systematically talks about uh, the church. Then we're going to be looking at membership in the New Testament, Uh, What does it mean to actually gather with a local church and why is it important that we physically do so? then we're going to look at a number of other things like discipleship and evangelism and church discipline. And then we're going to have uh, another one on random questions about church. Uh, So so, (laughs) I'm really excited about that one. Anyway, if you have something that you would like for us to talk to uh, about what is church specifically, maybe questions you have or various things like that, feel free to reach out. Send me an email at erin at trailschurch.ca and we'd love to add that into this series as this... Uh, at its core is to help us continue to learn what does it mean to be a church, what is a church, Uh, how do we join with a church, what does this mean so that we might continue to grow as uh, a ministry, as we're striving to see people come to know, trust, and believe upon Jesus, this wonderful gospel that we've talked about, and then how we call them to live out this new identity as a as a people of God, as the people of Jesus, awaiting for Jesus's coming, living under qualified leadership, gathering together to do these various things that we're committed to in scripture. And so if you have any, uh, any wisdom or things you want us to talk about, reach out to me uh, and we'd love to add that into the upcoming series.